verse number 16. And then I want to read from the uh, apostle according to the, I'm sorry, the uh, gospel according to John. John chapter 1 beginning in verse 40. Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. And then John chapter 1 and uh, verse number 40. Mark 1 says, verse 16, now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he he's referring to Jesus here. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. <clears throat> so this is the story of the Lord Jesus calling Simon and Andrew to follow him. But uh, as you look at the Synoptic Gospels, you recognize that this is not the first introduction of Jesus to these men. John chapter 1, verse number 40 said, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing out of, come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. You see here where the gospel of Jesus Christ started by the calling of his disciples. And these early disciples began fishing for men right away. Andrew called his brother Simon, who would be known as Peter, the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. Philip called Nathaniel. These men already understood that their calling was to go and fish for men. Bring people, introduce them to Jesus. Let this introduction to the man called Jesus transform and change their life. <clears throat> and I understand today that as Jesus called those men who were fishermen to go and become fishers of men, that we today have the same calling and the same responsibility. The great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, mentioned in each of the Gospels, tells us what we're supposed to do. We are to go preach the Gospel, see people baptized, teach them to become followers of Jesus Christ uh, in every nation, in every people group. God has called us. Are you listening to me right now? This is our purpose for existence. This is why the church is here at 380 South Rosemead Boulevard, is we are called to fish uh, for men. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let me talk to you for just a few moments about fishing for men. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the anointing of your spirit and the power and the blessing of the Holy Ghost. We pray, Jesus, that today you would use us, Lord, to minister the word of the Lord, to get our people on track and on task for what we are to be doing for the kingdom of God. And let us be inspired and faith-filled as we go into this next semester believing for great things. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. 
Put your hands together and clap to the Lord as you're seated. God bless you. One thing that everyone, whether they recognize it or not, is interested in is what their purpose is in life. What they were put on this planet to accomplish and what they are supposed to do. There is this inside drive or desire to make a difference in the world. Now I know that uh, we find ourselves in life investing a tremendous amount of ourselves into temporary values, something that will only last for a little while and we will only value it for a little while. I can remember being at a place in my life where I thought that if I could just have a bicycle with training wheels, then I would never need anything else in the world again. And so I set about the task of haranguing and nagging my parents until I finally became the proud owner of a little bicycle with training wheels. Then at my sixth birthday, I wanted a bike without training wheels because what I discovered was what was so important to me didn't satisfy me any longer. And then I can remember when I was 14 and I would give my left arm for a little Honda 50cc scooter so that I could ride around the neighborhood and throw newspapers and go to school and be real cool with my big helmet. But there came a time when that wouldn't please me anymore. I've always wondered, I wonder where that beautiful red spree scooter is today, 20 years later. You probably couldn't find it anywhere. Actually, it's more than 20. Man, I'm getting old. 25 years. It's probably in a dump somewhere. It's been crushed. It's been uh, uh, obliterated uh, together with my bicycles and hopefully with my first car as well that I said would just please me and satisfy me if I could have my own vehicle. But what I've discovered in life, and hopefully you've discovered too, is that the things that seem like they're going to please us and satisfy us and fulfill us in this life end up leaving us empty in the end. We always uh, find ourselves wanting more and more and more. Amen. And so people look for satisfaction and fulfillment in the pleasures of life. This is where we find people becoming chemically dependent or dependent upon narcotics, whether uh, they be uh, uh, something that shoot into their veins or smoked into their body or, or taken by way of pain pills. Uh, they are looking for pleasure and satisfaction, and they are pursuing something that will make them happy and make them feel fulfilled. And uh, uh, I've discovered that you can find fulfillment in life uh, to a degree in quality relationships. Uh, if you invest in good relationships and family connections and in friendships but uh, even at the end of the day if you have good relationships there's still something driving on the inside that says what am I supposed to do with my life why am I on this planet in the first place uh, why am I sucking oxygen on this planet what has God placed me here for and this inborn quest for significance or for personhood is part of our divinely given DNA. I believe God put it in us to desire to make a difference. Uh, and this is why there are many people who invest themselves in humanitarian efforts, uh, trying to raise funds to cure cancer or to work against child abuse. And all of these things are wonderful and meaningful and admirable and Christian things to do. Can I get an amen? 
And so these types of investment, the Bible says anybody that would offer a cold cup of water in my name to a child has done it unto me. So whatever we can do to make the world a better place uh, is an investment in this world, amen, that is blessed and favored and honored by God, amen. But I want to speak to you today about the core mission and purpose uh, that God has given to us wherein we can find true satisfaction and true fulfillment. Uh, God put that drive and that passion inside of you to make a difference for a purpose. Uh, and it's not just so you can raise money for a cause. Uh, and it's not just so you can be kind to people. But God put it inside of you because you're around some people that have eternal values. Human beings are eternal beings. Everything else you invest in is temporary. You may buy a nice car, but it's not going to last forever. You may build a beautiful home, but it's not going to last forever. If the Lord should tarry, it will not stand someday. You may invest your time in building a company, a, uh, uh, some kind of a, uh, a venture as an entrepreneur. And you may be excited about its success, uh, but it will pass away. Amen. Some people put their confidence in riches. Uh, but even though we live in the greatest nation in the world today, we have no promise that those riches will last. Amen. And when men trust in riches, they put their trust in the wrong thing. Uh, because everything is temporal. It's going to fade away. It's going to burn up. It's going to disintegrate. But people have an eternal element to them. And one day you're not going to be young and handsome anymore. One day you're going to get old and you're going to feel pain. One day you're going to take your final breath. Are you depressed now? One day you're going to reach the point where life doesn't seem so promising. You don't have a lot to look forward to. And there's a lot of pain and you don't enjoy the pleasures of life like you used to. There's going to come a time when you can't even hear what's happening around and everything will be seen through a, a, a haze and your hands will be trembling and your teeth will be few. Come on now. The Bible promises that day is coming for us uh, if we should be blessed to live so long. Uh, I don't want to depress you today, but I want to let you know that life is only for a while, but eternity is forever. Can I cut to the chase and tell you that only as what is done for Jesus Christ is going to last. Only what is done to invest in your friends and neighbors and family members and loved ones and acquaintances to see eternal life offered to them and for them to receive through Jesus Christ, through the cross, through the blood of the Lamb, eternal life is the only thing that really matters for eternity. It's the only thing that's going to matter a hundred years from now. hundred years from now, it won't matter how popular you were or how well-known you were or how much money that you had. There is something inside of you that God has put inside of you. This is a passion to make a difference. If that passion is misguided, it becomes the pride of life. Uh, but if it becomes properly focused, it becomes what 
the Apostle Paul described in Philippians 3 this way. He said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Apostle Paul said, there's a, indicating there's a lot of people in the world driven by a lot of different things, reaching for a lot of different prizes. But my prize is the high calling of Jesus Christ. And the high calling of Jesus Christ is to be an ambassador of him to a lost and a hungry and a thirsty world that needs Jesus in their life. We are called to make a difference in our world. The kingdom of God is eternal. While buildings will fall, build, building businesses will cease to exist. There is something that is eternal. Money and fame cannot satisfy. Somebody said, I'd like to give it a try. But money and fame cannot satisfy. I've been following the story of a young man that I know quite well, knew quite well years ago. A young man whose brothers, he and his brothers were a part of a, uh, their, their father was a minister and through a series of events, the process of time, they became disillusioned uh, to an extent. And they began a band, and they started playing music. And uh, they got some attention, became popular, became very, very popular. But before all this happened, the young man that became the lead singer, his name is Caleb, was a young man in the youth group where I was uh, a youth pastor for a sh short amount of time after his father had uh, fallen prey to alcoholism, a former preacher. So these boys were plopped into our youth group as teenagers. And for a little while, we had an opportunity to get to know Caleb and Nathan and, uh, and the little brother Jared, who was much younger. But uh, we prayed for them. One time while we were teaching in the youth class, one of Caleb wanted to talk to me afterwards. He said, I feel like God has called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do I need to do? He said this with tears rolling down his face. Sincerely, he knew that God had called him. When their band got a record label, was selected uh, to, to uh, sign a contract, he said later that uh, that night when we got the contract, I lay in my bed and I couldn't sleep because I knew I wasn't going to be a preacher. And I knew that I would end up going to hell. And I couldn't deal with it. And so here he went into this career, and they become, became very successful. In fact, last year I think they were referred to as America's most popular band. Their name is the Kings of Leon. And this band of young people, the other day in the middle of a concert, Caleb, the lead singer, walked off the stage and said, I don't want to do this anymore. They canceled the rest of their tour. And uh, it's up in the air as to what's going to happen or what's going on. Some word is that, is that Caleb is suffering from extreme alcoholism. But the reality is these young men are as popular as they could possibly be. They won a Grammy Award. Grammy Awards showed up on stage, said, I'm so drunk I can't even walk. These are young men that were in my youth group. And uh, so they've experienced this uh, fame, 
they've experienced all the pleasures that the world has to offer. My father told me they make over $80 million a year. That's a lot of money. And uh, they've tried the sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole thing. But I want to tell you today that fame, money, recognition cannot take the place of a call of God to do something eternal. Come on, somebody. Because there is a call that is valuable and God's put it on your heart. When He filled you with the Holy Spirit, He didn't give you the Holy Ghost just so you could talk funny. He didn't give you the whole, come on somebody. He didn't give you the Holy Ghost just so you could feel goosebumps up and down your spine. God didn't fill you with the Holy Spirit uh, just so you could have a ticket to heaven. If that were the only reason, then he'd go ahead and take you right after you got it. But he left you here, and he left you here because there is a calling and a purpose for your life, and it has to do with eternal things. The lives of people that will live eternally, either in the presence of a loving God, in a place that best could be referred to as perfection, paradise or an eternal torment separated from God in a place referred to as hell. This is the bottom line. This is the issue. You don't hear it talked about very much, but nothing else in life really matters. Uh, nothing else in life really measures up when we think about what God has put us here to do is to introduce people to the Lord Jesus Christ and to let them experience uh, the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can change a life. The Holy Spirit is the thing that makes a difference. Amen. I, I, I don't believe God is calling us to introduce people to a denomination. God is not calling us to introduce people to a religion. Come on, because religion won't change anybody. Amen. A denomination won't change anybody. But the Holy Spirit will change somebody. Jesus came to this earth for a purpose. John made it plain. He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Then he said, he, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus came to take your sins away and to replace your sins with the Holy Ghost and fire, which you receive power to become a witness and to share the gospel. I've got the Holy Ghost down in my soul, not just to make me shout and feel good, but so I can make a difference in my world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there is a Deep, everybody say deep, a deep sense of calling that is attached to God's divine purpose in this dispensation of grace to bring people of every nationality, of every color, of every background, of every socioeconomic group and bring them into the body of Christ and let the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, make the change and transform and sort out, hallelujah. Now, many of you have seen before, maybe have wondered, what does a fish have to do with Christianity? Anybody seen before the bumper sticker of the fish on the back of the car that indicates, I am a Christian? This is a symbol of Christianity that goes all the way back to the first century. 
of the church, the beginnings of the church. They have proof and carvings and so forth that it goes back to first or third century of the church. This is what is told, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But that during the early times of the church, when Christians were persecuted because of their beliefs, when a person met someone and felt a witness in the spirit that this is a child of God, this is a Christian, rather than just asking, hey, are you a Christian, which we might do today, because it probably wouldn't get us thrown in jail. But back then, being a Christian was something that brought about persecution, maybe imprisonment, maybe uh, uh, even uh, uh, experiencing torture, maybe even death. And so it was something that they didn't go out broadcasting. But if they met somebody, this is what I've heard, and they wanted to know if they were Christian, they would just nonchalantly in their conversation draw an ark in the dust, a little ark in the dust. And then they would uh, step away in their conversation. If the other person wanted to indicate to them that they were a Christian, they would use their foot and draw an ark as well. Uh, 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 contrary to the initial mark, the two marks creating a fish, the fish symbol that you've seen on the back of the car, letting, letting the person know, yes, I am a Christian, and we have faith in Jesus Christ, and we're fellow believers in Christ. And so this symbol of Christianity that be, it began at the beginning, this fish and, and endures, and today, what is the reason for it being a fish? And there are, are many speculations of reasons, uh, um, all of them probably contributing together to why a fish is a symbol of Christianity. One of them is the Greek word, uh, I can't say it, ichthyus, ichthus uh, for a fish is a word that can become a, a, a tetragrammaton or not tetragrammaton that's the wrong word I want the first letters uh, acronym an acronym for Jesus Christ the Son of God and uh, but more specifically than that Jesus when he chose his disciples he chose fishermen right he chose fishermen as his many of his disciples not only that but Jesus when he worked a miracle and fed 5,000 people what did he use to feed them fish and loaves of bread. Not only that, but another time the disciples had been out fishing all night, caught nothing. Jesus told them to cast out their nets again on the other side. They got a great catch. Anybody know how many fish they caught? 153. 153. Good Bible scholars. After a night of fishing, their nets were full. 153 fish. So all of these stories in the life of Jesus focus on fish. And fishing, the, the, the fishermen that he called his disciples. But I think the greatest reason that the fish is a symbol of Christianity has to do with Jesus called his disciples. Uh, and he said, uh, follow me and I will make you or teach you how to fish for men. So you're, when you follow Jesus Christ, uh, you are following him so that you can learn to be a fisher of men and of women and to reach people who are lost. Can I get an amen? And so we saw in the text that Andrew was first introduced to Jesus Christ. Then he went and got his brother, Simon, and said, we found the one we've been looking for. We found the Messiah. So Andrew introduced Simon, who in turn became the great Apostle Peter, who preached the gospel in the book of Acts uh, in, uh, on the day of Pentecost. Then we read about this man named Philip. Everybody say Philip. 
Philip, when he heard about Jesus and was exposed to Jesus, first went and got. First thing he did is he went and got Nathaniel. And he brought Nathaniel and introduced him to Jesus. And uh, Jesus transformed Nathaniel's life. And it's interesting when you study the life of this disciple, Philip. A lot of the disciples don't make it out of the Gospels in terms of references. You read about them in the Gospels, but you don't read about them in the book of Acts. But Philip was one who we read about in the book of Acts. Uh, because Philip was one who understood, I've been called to fish for men. If you want to see the story of Philip as a fisherman, not only did he call, not only did he call his friend Nathaniel and bring him to the Lord, but in Acts chapter 8, you can read that Philip was the one that took the gospel message to the city of Samaria. The place that none of the Jews wanted to go. The Jewish people looked down upon the Samaritan people. Can I get an amen? But Philip was one who said, I've got something I've got to share. I want to see these people change. I've got a message that compels me to go where nobody else will go, where nobody else wants to go. Because Philip went through Samaria, people began to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Miracles began to happen. And then he had to call Peter and John and say, come down, lay your hands on these people. And they begin to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That happened in Philip's ministry. Everybody say amen. amen. Then Philip leaves Samaria, leaves the church in good hands. And he's driving, and he's driving in the wilderness. Or actually, he's walking in the wilderness. And he sees this chariot drive by that has a man of high estate, an Ethiopian eunuch. So he goes from the people that nobody wants, and now he's exposed to somebody that everybody would want to be acquainted with. Uh, this man is a devout man. He's reading from the scriptures. Philip joins him in the cart. Uh, the man says, what is this I'm reading? Philip began to teach to him about Jesus Christ. Uh, at the end of the story is they stop the chariot, and he baptized that man right there in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. Philip was a fisher of men. Philip was one that took the gospel. Isn't it interesting? I think it's very interesting that of all the people that Jesus could have chosen to be his disciple, he didn't start looking for disciples the places we would expect him to look. He didn't start looking for disciples at the synagogue. He didn't start looking for disciples at the educational place where the kids were growing smarter. He didn't look for disciples among those that were professionals and had careers of esteem. But he looked for disciples. He started out looking for fishermen. Anybody ever wondered why that out of all the people Jesus could have chosen, Jesus chose fishermen? I believe it's because the role and the purpose and the responsibility of a Christian is to do what a fisherman does out on the boat, and that is to look for and to seek after and to draw out those that can be a, become a part of the kingdom of God. Fishing. Jesus chose fishermen to turn the world upside down. But he said to them, you're not going to fish for fish any longer. You're going to fish for men. This week I had the privilege, thanks to Brother Simon and his dad, to go on a fishing trip, a deep sea fishing expedition into the waters of Mexico. I may have some pictures for you to look at here in just a second 
of my fishing trip. It was really an exciting time. When we got there, there was about 30 men and one woman who had, a fisherwoman, who had uh, decided to commit to this expedition. Everybody brought their materials, their equipment, and they were excited. They were glad to be there. There was nobody dragging anybody in. They were all glad to be there. They had made it, made it their goal to be there. And uh, so we got uh, set up on the boat, and then we left the harbor and went out, and we rode on the boat all night long, woke up in the morning, and we're anticipating starting fishing, but the captain said, I don't think there's any fish here. We'll keep going. We went four more hours, hadn't even dropped the line into the water yet, and then all of a sudden uh, something happened. One of the fish grabbed the troll line, and then we, next thing I know, Everybody was out there putting their bait on the hooks, and they were throwing it out in the water. And uh, everybody kind of bumping into each other. We had 30 people on the same, 32 people on the same boat, 31, 32, something like that. And so we're out there fishing, and there were a few fish that came in on the line. And whenever somebody hooked a fish, there was excitement, and everybody was, like, rejoicing. Like, yeah, here it comes. And they brought the fish in, big fish onto the deck, and we caught a few, but then it stopped. So he told us to bring in our line. We went a little further. Long story short, we went all day looking for fish. And out of 32 people, there was only about 18 fish that were caught. And uh, Brother Simon felt bad for me because I came out on this trip and I hadn't caught a fish. Because I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of fumbling around. And, but Brother Simon's an expert fisherman. And uh, so one of the stops, he uh, threw out a, uh, one of his lines, and I threw out mine, I'm out there fishing, and uh, all of a sudden he starts yelling, Pastor Brown, come here, Pastor Brown, and so I, I guess I didn't have my line, I just put my rod aside, because he had hooked a fish and handed it to me, and so I got to bring in the fish, so I sort of caught a fish, <laughs> sort of, I sort of caught, Let, let's see some of the pictures here, here's, there's the fish I sort of caught. All right, let's see what else we got here. See, if you look here, you'll see more than 18 fish because here's what happened. Here is what took place. We had fished all day, and, and you know what? The mood was getting pretty tense on the boat because those men had all paid good money and trusted that captain to take them for some fish, and there were no fish coming in the boat. And so it was getting tense. It was getting later in the afternoon, and it was getting dusk time, closer to dusk time. And all of a sudden, they stopped the boat and they said, throw out the chum line which is the, the uh, bait of the uh, uh, living sardines that they throw out. And they started swimming, and, and all of a sudden they said, uh, uh, I can't remember, uh, hook, hook up. They said hook up, I think is the word, hook up. And so everybody, every, it was crazy because a lot, a lot of the people by that time were just kind of sitting in the dining area eating chips and just hanging out and talking and uh, kind of a little discouraged or whatever. But everybody goes running out of there like knocking one over, another over, and they grab their fishing poles and they threw them out into the, into the water, and the next thing you know, there must have been over half the people that had a fish on their line, and then within five minutes from that, every person that had their line in had a fish on their line. Here's the, here's the end of the story. We fished all day, and our entire crew caught 18 fish, but in the next hour and a half, we caught 260 tuna, pulling them in one after another. I figured it out, Brother Simon, that was a new fish hitting the deck every 20 seconds. And so it, you talk about excitement, because when you catch a fish, you have to follow that fish, 
and here's another man next to you with a fish on his line. So you have to follow that fish, and you can't let your lines cross because they'll cut each other. So you have to go over that person and come back under them, and then there's several people doing that. And people knocking one another over, people falling over. Before you know it, because the crew couldn't keep up with the catch, there were bloody, flopping, enormous tuna all over the deck of the boat. And everybody was smiling. Everybody was happy. One man had blood smeared all over his face. He looked like he'd been in, looked like he'd, he'd come out of a, a Vietnam rice paddy or something. And uh, uh, and uh, but it was an exciting time. And then when we got all the fish on the boat. Everybody was in a good mood. Everybody was excited. Let's see, we got any more pictures here? Look at all the fish. This is the boat we went on, the real adventure. There we are, enjoying some of the fish that we actually caught, caught all the way. There's two of the big ones I caught. Proud fishermen. Amen. I, th I think that's it. But, <clears throat> but anyhow, while I was fishing, the whole time, all I'm thinking about. I want to catch a fish. No. And then I started thinking about this is what we're supposed to be doing. We are supposed to be jazzed and excited about reaching this world. Jesus said, I'm going to teach you guys how to be fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to reach the lost. And I learned a few things. I learned a few things while I was on this trip about fishing. What I learned was that everybody was excited and committed to fishing. That's why they came. They said, we took some time out of our schedule. We took some time out of our work to do this. So let's do this thing. And they were focused on it. Uh, another thing I learned was that nobody stayed on land and tried to fish out of the soil. Even though the land was their comfort zone. You stand and it doesn't move, unless you're in California. Sometimes it does. But you stand and it doesn't move. They got out of their comfort zone, went on a boat. They went to where the fish were. So instead of being in their comfort zone, Brother Simon, for two days we were doing this. Trying to stand up while the boat was moving beneath our feet because we were on the water. How foolish would it have been to try to fish back on the land or in the harbor? We had to get out of our comfort zone. We had to go fish. Now, I hope some of you know where we're going because we're beginning our new semester of life groups this week. And God is calling us to fish for lost people. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next 12 weeks. But I made a decision. I made a decision uh, just yesterday. And it's thrown everything into a turmoil. We've got a huge fruit basket upset. But we're going to sort through it because I decided we're not having any life groups here at the church this semester. So if you're signed up for the life group at the church, there are three life groups that are going to be happening in homes around close to the church. And we'll make sure you get in one of those life groups. But I just decided we're not going to have people fishing here on the dock. Let's, we're not going to have people fishing here in the harbor. No fish in the harbor. Let's get out and let's go somewhere. Let's get out of our comfort zone. Let's do something different. So we're, we're going to put, put us into, uh, uh, into our life groups, and I'm really, really excited. We have several that are going to meet on Wednesday night in, in, in various parts of town. And uh, there's also, if you have to work on Wednesday night, there is a group that meets Saturday at noon in Monrovia, a life group. And uh, then there are a couple that meet on Sunday as well. And uh, I, I just uh, uh, found out for sure that Jose 
and Vicky want to have a life group in their home, and they already have some friends that are committed. They're going to come be a part of the life group because you know what we're doing? It's not about us, uh, and it's not about a denomination. It's not about a church building. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, and we just need to bring some people in and let them experience uh, the power, the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I also noticed that uh, people that were good fishermen were concerned about the presentation of the bait. They didn't just throw any junk in the water. They wanted something that would appeal to the fish, something that would get their attention. Now, some people have a concept of hunting rather than fishing. But I want to contrast for you right now the idea of hunting versus fishing because with fishing, there is a fishing and following go together. Because uh, what I learned is the fish has to decide to go after the bait. Whereas with hunt, hunting, that animal doesn't decide anything. It just realizes that it's been caught when the bullet hits the flesh, right? So hunting is aggressive, but fishing is more gentle. Amen? Hunting is based on confrontation. Uh, fishing is based on attraction. Hunting is go out there and shoot them. With fishing, it's get them to nibble on the bait. With hunting, it's one size fits all, bullet, just boom, hit them. But with fishing, I learned you have to decide what kind of bait to use to reach a certain type of fish. And with some, you use live bait. With some, you use lures and spinners and so forth. And with hunting, you take one shot and it's done. If you miss them, they ain't coming back. But with bringing a fish into the boat, it requires give and take. I learned this. You have to let them go for a while, and then you have to bring them back in. And let them go for a while, because if you don't let them go for a while, if you fight them, you'll break your line. But you let them go, and you bring them back in. And uh, uh, with hunting, you scare off the animal if you miss, but with fishing, you get more than one chance. And with hunting, the animal has no choice. But with fishing, it's the fish that gets to choose whether it's going to take the bait or not. In hunting, you have to be a skilled shot. But anybody can put bait in the water. Because when the fish started hitting, when we, it, it was called, what is it, Simon, a feeding frenzy? Wide open bite is what they call it. They said when a wide open bite comes, don't worry about the presentation of your bait. See, at first... We presented the bait in such a way that there was no blood on it and it could swim. And we used a kind of line that was invisible to the swimmer. So we had a lead line connected to the line that was strong. But on a wide open bite, all you had to do was just jab a hook into a fish and throw it in the water. And boom, because it was a feeding frenzy going off, one right after another. Amen. And when revival time comes, when the season of harvest comes, all you got to do is put some bait in the water. You don't have to be an expert. It was my first time fishing. I caught seven tuna. Amen. And it's not because of my skills. I can promise you that. It's because that captain took us to the right spot. It's because we looked and looked and looked diligently until we found some fish that were hungry. Come on now. And there are hungry people. I want to tell you there are hungry people. Because I, I also learned fish get hungry at certain times. Certain time of day when the fish is hungry, it's going to strike. And people get hungry at certain times too. 
when they go through difficulties in their lives, when they face situations, when they come to the end of themselves and they're frustrated, they get hungry for something. And you'll find that there's people that are hungry for the gospel and hungry for a change in their life at different times. Come on. Hey, man, anybody ready to go fish? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I learned also that you had to get into the mind of the fish. I didn't do it according to the way I thought. I had to think the way the fish thought to get the bait there. And I had to keep trying. You have to keep trying. You have to get keep trying. The Bible says, amen, that, that you will reap in due season if you faint not, if you keep trying. Amen? Hallelujah. And I also learned that you can catch a lot in a short amount of time. That you can catch one fish and it can lead to a whole bunch of fish. They said that when, when you go by a kelp patty, you cast your line out. The goal is to get all the fish to charge the boat. And one fish coming in can lead the other fish to charge the boat, to charge the chum line of bait. And they all come. Amen. And so one person can lead to a feeding frenzy. Come on, I've seen it. Anybody seen it happen before? Where revival starts and it hits a whole family. One person gets the Holy Ghost. Next thing you know, the entire family is hungry for God. One, come on now. One person gets it and it begins to affect the whole neighborhood. One person's life is changed and it begins to affect a whole lot of people. God has called us to be fishers of men. To reach for people, to care for people, to love people, to build a relational bridge and take the opportunity to bring them to an environment, an atmosphere where they can be exposed to loving Christians. See, this semester of life groups, we're teaching on relationships. And uh, so the, the, the content is not confrontational. The content is such to where you can bring a friend and they can learn some good Bible principles that will help their life right now. But the purpose is not to just give them better relationships. The purpose in bringing them to the life groups is that when they get there, listen to me now, they will see your love and concern for the other members of the group. Are you listening to me? They will see the strength of the relationship that you have with people who maybe aren't the same age as you maybe aren't the same color as you. Come on, somebody. Aren't from the same family. Aren't from the same background. But you love them like a brother and love them like a sister. And guess what? They step into that environment and they're like, there is something different here. Now, you and I know it's the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on. It's the old-time religion. It makes me want to love everybody. It's the Holy Ghost that made the change. But when they see that, they get thirsty. They get hungry. Amen. The Bible says we are salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt makes you thirsty. If you don't believe that, eat some bacon. Try to go the whole day without drinking anything. You'll be miserable. Salt makes you thirsty. Amen. And when we get around people, and when they see our love for one another, the Bible says they shall know you are my disciples when they observe the love that you have one for another. The support, the the, the concern, amen. That's why people that are, are, are uh, 
lone wolf Christians, that, that, that should be an oxymoron. It, it doesn't even make sense that you do your own thing and be your own person, take care of your own self. That's not what Christianity is about. And you're not going to attract anybody until you learn to love your brothers and sisters. And when they see this, when they observe this, they will get thirsty for the things of God. And revival can happen in a short amount of time. I learned that we worked together as a team. We didn't ignore the other people. We had to work together and respect what they were doing while we were working. We all rejoiced together. It was a huge, exciting celebration when the boat was full of fish. And we all got in a better mood when we caught fish because that's what we came for. Life Church, when people are being added to the kingdom, when people are being water baptized in the name, the, the saving name of Jesus Christ, when people are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, that ought to make a child of God more excited than getting a raise at work, than getting to move into a new home, getting to buy a new car. All of those things make us happy, and we want to jump around like a Honda commercial playing our saxophones around our new car. But there ought to be something inside of us that said, I didn't, wasn't put on this earth to drive a new set of wheels, but I was put on this earth to fish for men. And when I see God using me to reach somebody, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to rejoice. Hallelujah. It makes me want to give praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Clap your hands and praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. So, for 12 weeks, 11 weeks, we're going on a fishing expedition. So your life group has a very specific purpose these next 11 weeks. You're going to get together, you're going to fellowship, you're going to love and care for one another. But all of you know, we're on this trip, not just to eat chips and hang out. We made an investment to go on this journey together. And the purpose for this investment is we're looking for fish. We're looking for people. We're looking for friends. Because I see people in this church right now that wouldn't be in this church right now had they not been invited to a life group and became a part of a life group in a person's home and was made to feel special because they were around God's people. And before they ever learned about the doctrine of Jesus Christ or experienced the power of the Holy Ghost in a gripping service, they learned about the power of God's love by observing it through God's people in a life group. And what we're doing this month, these next two months, and change, is to go reach the lost friends, neighbors, people that are disconnected from God because there are people all around you. I'm telling you, listen to me, there are people all around you. If you will pray for God's anointing, keep your heart open. Say, God, lead me to somebody. Amen. You're not going to catch a fish if you're not fishing. Amen. If you don't have it in your mind, this is what I'm doing every day. I'm a fisher of men. You're not going to catch fish. You're not going to be driving along in your car and all of a sudden a fish flies in the window right next to you and starts flopping around in your seat. You've got to have some bait in the water. You've got to have a pull there. You've got to be doing what you can to reach somebody. Amen. And I want to I want to just adjure you. I want to encourage you and let you know, amen, that you don't have to bash somebody or beat them over the head with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, just love them. And then there's going to be a door that's going to open. Amen. It's going to be a door that's going to open. I had a door open this week 
I was uh, able to uh, do a little Bible study on tape, a video Bible study that I did down in Koreatown. One of the young men that was one of the, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, the, uh, he runs the equipment. He, he wasn't even sitting in the Bible study, he ran the equipment. Afterwards, he wanted to talk to me. And uh, he had been raised in Christianity, gone through a faith crisis, um, was wondering if he even believed in God. And, man, there was a huge door open. I said, have you ever experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues where you know and you can point back and say, that's when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And he said, you know what? I, I, I haven't. And I said, you know what? It's an awesome experience, and it's available for you. And I would love nothing more than to teach you about that. And you know what else? You don't have to go to a church to get it. You can get it in your own personal prayer time. But you've got to expect and believe that God is going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you will have an experience that's memorable that you will remember. And I watched him as, as uh, his emotions uh, uh, begin to be affected. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been there before as well. God gave you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changed your life. And the purpose for receiving the Holy Ghost is that we could be fishers of men. Why don't we stand to our feet right now? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. I mentioned to you that uh, the uh, expanding group that was meeting here at the church, there's for many reasons I could explain to you, we've decided we're not having a group at the church. Brother Rick is going to be leading a group that's going to be in a home. Brother Juan, who was the uh, um, uh, the facilitator in that group, is going to lead another group in another home. There's going to be a group happening at my home all Wednesday night at 7.30. So everybody that was planning a meeting here at the church, get your gear together because we're going on a fishing expedition. Amen. And this week it's going to be just a uh, uh, orientation because before we put any lines in the water on our fishing trip, the captain explained to us about the best way to catch fish. And uh, how we would want to do it. And things we should do, things we shouldn't do. We're going to have a little orientation this week. About how we're going to best use the next ten weeks. To love one another. To care for one another. But also to say are we going to catch some fish. Amen. So when this service is over. There are uh, some of the life group leaders that will be out there. You can talk to them. But let me, let me explain to you. If you signed up for Brother Rick's group. You will be receiving a phone call. Explaining to you where. Your group will be meeting. If you don't hear from, from one of us by Wednesday, come here to the church at 730. Someone will be here to tell you which way to go. But we're going to all get in a fishing boat, amen, in a life group and go on this ex expedition. You know, I, I know some of you are weary of the metaphor right now, but uh, I'm just jazzed about it. Amen. God's going to use us in a powerful way. Hallelujah. I want his anointing to fall on me. I want the anointing of His Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because what the, the power that we receive is through the Holy Ghost. And right now we're going to pray. And uh, what I'd like to do before we leave is just kind of gather up close to the front. And we're going to say a prayer. And I'm going to pray for the anointing of God's Spirit on all of us. And if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you're not sure whether you have, just like those that in Acts 19, they said, well, we haven't heard about it. You can receive that experience today before you leave here. 
Those of you that have already experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can receive a fresh baptism and a fresh renewing and go out of here with great faith in your heart. We're going to pray for God's anointing. So if you would, just uh, if you're close to a family member, friend, take them by the hand. Let's move out of where we are and let's come up to the front just for a minute. We're going to pray for God's anointing to be upon us. And then we'll be dismissed in just a few minutes. When we're dismissed from this place, I encourage you to go out the door, go to the right, talk to some of the life group leaders that will be out there encouraging you to join their expedition. Amen. I found out that an overnight fishing expedition uh, costs a couple hundred dollars, maybe $300, but there's no charge. It's free. Amen. You get to go on this fishing expedition. You just got to be willing to work together with the team. See what God's going to do. Come on, let's come on in right now. I feel the Holy Spirit here. The anointing of God's Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, I want to make this personal for you right now uh, because it'll help you. I want you to think of a person that you know that is close enough to you in proximity that you could call them and invite them to a life group. But specifically, I want you to think of someone whose life really needs God right now and you know that they, they, they need God. Maybe it's not that they're strung out on drugs or they're in prison or anything like that. Maybe it's just you, you can tell that they're frustrated or you've been sensing that you know, there's an emptiness there. I want you to think about that person. I want you to think about that person being filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you do that with me right now? Can you do an exercise like that? I want you to imagine that person being filled with the Holy Spirit and their life being changed. And that person who doesn't care anything about anything but maybe football or, or drinking or gambling or whatever it is that their interest is, all of a sudden they become focused on being fishers of men because not only is their life going to be changed, but they're going to find their purpose in life as well. Come on. It's all wrapped up together. I want you to imagine that right now as we begin to pray for God's anointing. I want you to pray for God to anoint you to reach to that person, to show love to that person. Say that person is going to be saved. That person is going to experience the power of the whole. This is what you got to do. It's got to start in your mind. Amen. It's got to start with faith in your mind, believing that God can save that person and fill that person with your with His Spirit. Now close your eyes if you want to. If you feel like in just a minute you can raise up your hands. That's just a, a way that we worship God. The Bible says, uh, "Lift up your hands." Hallelujah. We're going to pray right now for God's anointing to come upon us, for God to anoint us for His purpose, uh, that we could be fishers of men. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray right now in faith for the anointing of Your Holy Spirit, for Your presence, Lord God, to fill this place, for the Holy Ghost to fall upon us. Uh, we understand, Jesus, that this task that we've been given is not something we can accomplish 
by ourselves. We can't do it, Lord God, with our gifts and talents and skills. It takes the Holy Spirit to, to turn us into a fisher of men. And I pray, Lord God, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to, to touch, Lord God, from the oldest to the youngest, Lord. Uh, hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, from one end of the city represented to the other, let your anointing, dear God, come upon your people. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Come on, I want somebody to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost just for a moment right now. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we praise you, Lord, and we worship you. Jesus, we magnify you, Lord God. Lord, we want to lift you up, Jesus. Let your anointing be upon me. Let your anointing be upon my family. Let your anointing be upon my house, Lord God. Let your anointing, Lord Jesus, be on my friend. Hallelujah, my loved one. The one that I want to see filled with the Spirit. The one that I want to see whose life is going to be changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray for your anointing. God, I want to make a difference in this world. I want to find my purpose in life, Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your light broke through my night, restored exceeding joy. Jesus, your
Amen. This is what we're going to do before we leave. We're just going to rejoice a little bit, but we're going to do it specifically because I believe um, that you have power with your mouth when you speak. You speak faith. You mix faith with your mouth. The word of faith is in your mouth. It's, uh, it, it's on your tongue. The word of faith is nigh thee. The word of faith which we speak. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to a person or two in just a minute. And when you turn to them, there's somebody that you've been thinking about in your mind that really needs Jesus. Really needs Jesus. And you'd like to see them experience New Testament born again salvation. I want you to turn to that person. I want you to tell them the name of that person. Just a first name. Don't get detailed. Just a first name. And if it's somebody that the other person might know and you don't want them to, you know what I'm saying. Just make up a name or use a nickname. But you know who you're talking about. Speak the name. Speak the name, all right? And I want you to say, if, if the person's name is Jim, I want you to turn to the person and say, Jim's going to be saved. God's going to save Jim. Jim's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. However you want to say it, use your own words. God's going to save Jim. God's going to save. The Holy Ghost is going to work in so-and-so's life. Come on, I want you to think about somebody in your life. Because think about how many people we got represented. We're talking about doubling the number right now of those here, of those having experienced the power of Jesus Christ. And when you say that, here's what I want you to do. You may not know Jim from Adam. You may not know Adam from Jim. But whenever that person says Jim's going to be saved or God's going to fill Jim with the Holy Ghost, I want you to be like, yes! And celebrate as if Jim was your brother. Because you know what? When, when the fish comes in the boat, it may not be on my line, but I'm going to rejoice anyway. Look at the big one. That's what we did. Look what you caught. Look what God has done. Amen. Through you. So we're going to rejoice with one another. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to leave out of here rejoicing. Go make sure you know where your group's going to meet, what's going to happen. If you're not sure, we'll make sure and give contact to you, especially those that were in this central group here at the church. But leave here rejoicing, all right? Can you do that for me right now? You know the name? Turn around and say it right now.